Hi, I'm Michael Radigan. This is Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference. I'm here with my co-host, Kat Silverman. Um, let me get all the Twitter stuff out of the way before we get into it. You can follow me at Mikey Rads. You can follow Kat at Kat M. Silverman. You can follow the podcast at Three Cheers for Goal 1. That's the number three and the number one. You can follow our producer maxwell spar at maxwell spar this is all on twitter by the way um cat i actually saw max uh yesterday or a couple days ago i did not see max a couple days ago <laughs> don't lie <laughs> oh, to yeah. people <laughs> yeah he uh he pot he was in new york for a night uh or a couple oh, nights you saw work. you saw him i thought that you said i did i was like don't lie to people no no i saw him, but i know he was on your coast where he met no, he was on my coast and i max thought that was, you were like referencing that but no no, no. <laughs> he was so he came back from california and then he had a work trip in uh new york city so he came over and checked out my new place and saw him for like a half hour so that was nice so it's uh it's always good to see maxi who is planning a wedding and everything but he still has time to edit and add all the bells and whistles to our podcast so we always appreciate that and I was going to say, he still has time to save us from ourselves. Yeah, which is yeah. A, which I is would, a feat. <laughs> he, could, he couldn't do it last week, and he's like, listen, it's really easy. Just go into GarageBand, and I'm like, I was trying to do it. And I'm like, this is, <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, I felt like a baby boomer operating Facebook. I'm like, wait, wait a second. Wait, I'm like, how do you add a song? <laughs> um, and mind you, I work in post-production and television, so it's, it's very nice and embarrassing for me. Um. Anyway, NHL season is kind of ending, um, and so this episode we're going to jump into our preseason predictions and how wrong we were. Some some of you who follow us on Twitter gave us how wrong you were with your preseason predictions. Uh, jump into each playoff matchup. Well, I believe there's still some regular season games to be played in the Canadian division or the North division, whatever you'd like to call it, but... That really, I believe it has no effect on the final standing. No. All the playoff matches are set. That's more of like um, for draft order. Uh, I don't even know why they're playing those games, but it seems like the playoffs are going to start while those games are being finished between like Vancouver and Calgary and all yeah. of that. So, Kat, you have our pr- you have our fine you had our final. I do. From, I, I have a uh, them on January thirteenth. January. So, so right, right, right as the season was starting. Right as the season was starting, and um, I guess we'll go over our predictions and then our preseason predictions, and then just get into the playoff matchups from each division, and then we'll jump into your guys' predictions. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think we. I think we have to start with ours though, because we. Like we were, we're saying right before you hit record, like we we could not have been more wrong. I know. Um, I feel like the most wrong I've been was so the north, the north division. Were, maybe you were worse with. Uh, ironically, I think you were worse with. Um, yeah, with the the Mass Mutual East. Um, I Ooh. was I was not right because I had Boston in first, which I I feel like was. That was like Toronto. That was one of those where we were like, oh, there's no there's no Tampa Bay, which is usually Boston's like, you know, that's their head to head right there. And yeah. uh, and I was like, oh, Boston's going to be first. Um, I then we both. So we both picked the Islanders to make it. Um, yep. You're welcome. Uh, Long Island. 
Thank but, you. Uh, we both picked Philadelphia to make it. They did not. Oof, um, no. But you officially take the title for the most wrong because you were the only person in, like, between the two of us out of any division, you were the only one who picked uh, a team to win the division that did not make it at all. Was it, did that I pick was the- a, That was Philly. You had oh. Philly winning the East. And they didn't make it. As of right now, uh, it looks like, yeah, so the Mass Mutual East is, uh, first off, props to them in the Central for being the only two divisions to finish on time. Um, Yeah. So all of their games are played. They're all finished. Um, Philadelphia was not as bad as New Jersey or Buffalo. Um, They were bad. Neither of us picked either of them to make the playoffs. That was kind of a lock. Um, But then Philly finished. They were... They were with the Rangers in, you know, I they 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 weren't going to make the playoffs. I think we figured that out. Oh, at least a couple weeks ago, I'd say, because um, the New York Rangers in 56 games finished with 60 points. Uh, the Flyers finished with 58. Yeah, um, but if you if you look at that goal differential, I, I feel like the Flyers let up. Woof. That's woof. That's Ugh. so bad. Um. But yeah, the the next highest team, which was the Islanders, who I thought were going to be pretty powerful, um, they they finished in fourth in the division with seventy one points. Um, that was I feel like that's the division that had the biggest divide there because we had coming down to the wire, like the Coyotes didn't officially get eliminated in a in the West until essentially their last two or three games. Uh, they finished with 54 points. The Blues, who did make it in, had 59. Uh, looking at Nashville made it in, Dallas didn't. They were only four points apart. Um, yeah. In the Canadian division, oh, that that's pretty far apart, but Calgary still has, uh, they've only played 52 games and they're at 49 points. Montreal's played 55 and they have 58 points. So they might close that gap. Calgary can, yeah, they can close that gap there. But uh, the Rangers, had 60 the next lowest team the islanders had 71 that's yeah. massive so that's not even, so the flyers weren't even close yeah that was that was a bad pick by <laughs> you know what it was it, it, it was just like um i don't know what the correct term was but it was it was so fresh in my mind uh because you know season started in january we just finished the season the bubble you know when that end september um so like yeah, I, I'm here. I'm thinking like, man, the Flyers pushed the Islanders to seven games in a in in that in the bubble, and they lost in Game Seven. But I, I, I'm like, Carter Hart's gonna he he looks pretty good. It looks and Carter Hart had a terrible terrible year. He he really. I don't know if I'd say terrible. He had he, he finally was, hit his slump as yes. like he finally hit that growth curve, right? That every goalie seems to accept for like. I don't know. I don't think Henrik Lundqvist ever hit that, but sure. Yeah, he was, had. He, I, I guess he did have a, a not great year at. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. If that's, you look at his, and maybe really maybe that's defense, and there are some games where they gave up like nine goals. So like not there. I think they had a couple where they gave up like between seven and nine goals. Uh, so. I mean, they they had three goaltenders play games this year. Uh, Alex Leon, Brian Elliott, and Carter Hart. And none of them finished with above an eight nine three save percentage. Yeah, you can't have so that. So that's not all on Carter Hart, but like no. it's also, you know, that's yeah. It's, it's team goaltending as well as team defense. Um, yeah. So they really, uh, 
they didn't even put it together like I thought it was, which I should have been. You know, I'm not a big Elaine Vigneault fan. I feel like he always gets has a really great first couple years with the team, and then they kind of tune him out. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that's what maybe that's happening a little earlier than expected. I, I, I'm surprised he still has a job, um, you know. But, yeah, in, in terms of the East, you look at Washington missing. Um, I had Boston the New York Rangers I had in second, they did not make it. The Islanders in Philadelphia. Um, so I was also very wrong. The yeah, East, was, was, East was a cluster. and it's, it's, I think we knew it was going to be tough because yeah. we figured, okay, there's still going to be a decent team that's going to finish in fifth and miss out. And it turns out that's probably the Rangers. Um, yeah. You know, and they had, we, we had a very in-depth episode about the Rangers, who, by the way, just fired their head coach today, David Quinn. But we, we've gone enough, enough in-depth with them uh, last episode. But they, they seem to, they had a really weird year too, but they, you know, they're, they're, de- they're a team that's on the rise, I think. Um, uh, still need to add a couple more pieces and maybe obviously find a new head coach. But they, they had a weird year with the, pin- the, the Tony D'Angelo. We don't have to recycle they, all this. But... They kind of reminded me of the Islanders and the Coyotes. And yeah, they, they... Not, not the Ottawa Senators, but like they, they were a team that, and I mean, maybe, maybe you disagree, but I thought that was a team that their off-ice drama impacted their on-ice performance. Yeah, if if you look, um, I know the Coyotes have had that that drama in uh, past years and uh, re- recent ones as well. The Islanders had that drama um, under previous management, where it kind of became an off ice circus with whatever arena location garbage or you know just roster construction, all of that. Um, yeah, they had. It seemed like you couldn't blame them if it. Because this is this is a tough year anyway. Like I don't blame the the COVID restrictions. A lot of these guys have to face just sitting in your hotel and not being able to see each other. That's really rough. So it's hard to. I don't know how you make certain decisions uh, based on this year alone. But and then you have that on top of all their off ice shenanigans with Panarin and his unfortunate situation with uh, a political hit piece, and then Tony D'Angelo just being the biggest dirtbag in the world, and then. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, but I think, you know, if they, they're a team that I think will probably be competing. Um, but the East, that was, I, I, I think that was maybe the toughest. It was a cluster, that division, it felt like, which we kind of predicted. And if you look at, about, if you look at the playoff matchups now going into the East, you have the Penguins with the Islanders, the Caps and the Bruins. Whoever wins those series, or whichever team comes out of the division, you can you'd kind of shrug and just be like, yeah, that that would any four of those teams could, if they came out of the division, you'd be like, yeah, that, that makes sense, that that tracks. Like it yeah. wouldn't it wouldn't be an upset if the Islanders. I'd still even be look- a little surprised by by Pittsburgh, which I think is a sign that. I mean, I that blows my mind that they finished first. Yeah, um, they they man, it's Pittsburgh. I mean, they were tied that. for first, right? They they only made it to uh like they only edged Washington there uh cuz they both finished with 77 points uh with 29 regulation wins. They had one more regulation overtime win, right? They yeah. had they had uh 34 versus 33 um and then they had a higher goal differential. So they had a plus 40 um Washington had a plus 28, but but yeah, that was good for them. I mean, 
that was it's, that was fun to see. But it's uh, always the Pittsburgh thing, man. They always you're like, this is the year it finally falls apart for them, and we've kind of felt that the past couple seasons. And then there, it's like, and they're you, like, no, it's not. You put a men's league. Uh, guy on the on the wing of Sidney Crosby and he's gonna put up 60 points and you're like who it's just they have so many guys Which, that shout out in. to Sidney Crosby yeah like whether we like whether people like him or not and I I didn't love him for a very long time I thought he was not not whiny but whiny um but he yeah, I, I mean look at what he does for yeah. that team right he'll get heart votes I think um he'll he'll probably finish finish in the top three um, for Hart, I think. I mean, the, don't – no one get mad at me. I really haven't – I think it's going to go to McDavid, but I, I think he'll be in the conversation, um, and he's, he's had a really nice year, Crosby. But I just – before we wrap up this little section on the East, I just want to bring up what's really interesting – and this is goalie-wise. You look at the Penguins and the, goal, uh, the Capitals. They – their goaltending tandems have – never played a playoff game. I think uh, the Penguins, between the two of their goalies, DeSmith and, uh, what's his name, Tristy, uh, have played one playoff game, and neither Tristan of the Capitals... Tristan Jari. Jari, Jari. Uh, Tristan Jari, sorry. Have, have played he's one... played a playoff game. One. Yeah, he's Just played one. in one playoff game. One, on. one playoff game, and neither <laughs> Caps goalies have played in a playoff game. And so now the Caps are going against Tuka Rask and the Bruins, and Tuka Rask has had cup runs and is a very experienced goalie. And uh, the Penguins are going against Varlamov, who has also a lot of playoff experience, and it's coming off a nice run he had with the Islanders last year. So I think that's really interesting that uh, the number one and two teams in that division are going to be facing off against goalie. Their goalies have not a ton of experience in the playoffs against uh, veteran goalies that have played very well in the playoffs. Right, and I think it's it's almost more valuable not just that they have these these guys who have playoff experience you know Semyon Varlamov and Tugarask have all this playoff experience between them but they also have backups with playoff experience like you look at you have Tugarask you have Yaroslav Halak and then you also have Daniel Vladar and and Jeremy Swayman just in case like you have these these two other guys just in case Something so it, goes wrong with the two veterans. So it sounds like Swayman's going to back up Rask, actually. And that that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's... And that's, once again, like, that's giving... That's lending credence to the the argument of goaltending depth. Um, whereas with Ilya Samsonov, uh, Vitek Vanacek, I, I've been pleasantly surprised by him. Yeah, he's yeah, played well. He's a player who I wasn't really sure if he'd ever... I thought he was going to be a goaltending tweener. You know, one of those who can get called up from the AHL, but really doesn't have the staying power. Sure. Um, and he did. He, he ended up having a ton of staying power. Um, and so good for him. Um, but then after that, I mean, you also have Craig Anderson, who I love to death, by the way. Wonderful guy. Character yeah. guy. But yeah. that's that's not your that's not your ace in the hole. Um, and yeah. then... You have Semyon Varlamov and Ilya Sorokin. That's an unbelievable tandem right there. Yeah, and Sorokin, he doesn't have NHL playoff experience, but he did win championships over the KHL. I was going to say, he's casually played 80 bajillion playoff games in the KHL since he was 18 years old. Yeah, which, listen, KHL is not the NHL, but it's really 
When it's about as close as you can get. Though. It's as close as you can get. It's better than the AHL. Um, yeah. So yeah, that those those series are going to be really interesting. I, I mean, I, I know. I I think they're both both Caps Bruins and uh, Penguins Islanders. I, I think I know. You know, much to my chagrin, I'm sure the Athletic and Money Puck and all those outlets are going to give the Islanders like a 20% chance to win. But um, I really I, I think they can. Uh, it would be a coin flip. I would not be shocked out of any outcome from the East, really. Right. I think it's going to be, I think those four teams have a lot of factors working in their favor. Uh, you know, all four teams are pretty battle-tested playoff teams. When it, like, uh, I feel like that's kind of the case, though, with yeah. not even just the East. Like, when you look at... That's true. I'd say... Like, we talk about how wrong we were with, like, you with Philly, me with Pittsburgh not even making it, Washington not even making it. Uh, when we when we look at the North, uh, we, we need to dedicate, like, an entire hour to Vancouver here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we both had it. Vancouver making it. Uh, we both had Calgary making it. I think yeah, this so... year was so hard to predict because, like, you look at Minnesota in the West, that's a team that... We'd, to we'd, me, that's a team that I didn't think was nope. going to make it. They were nope. they were barely playoff competent. They were barely a team last year. If, and then it, this year, they yeah. had Cam Talbot. No disrespect. Love Cam Talbot. But I was a little concerned about him. And then Capo uh, Kakinen, who had barely played in any NHL games and had this like weird clunky way of maneuvering around the net. I was like, this is... This isn't super proven. They lost their captain over the summer. Like, yeah. And then, and then they ended up being probably the only team in the West that looked stable all year. I mean, you had powerful teams in Vegas and Colorado, but they both went through an absolute shit show because both of them ended up with COVID. Uh, Colorado had spread to like half the team. Um Colorado had some games where they got just steamrolled by really weird teams. And and Minnesota had some of those too, but you kind of expected Minnesota too. They were they were to me the more consistent looking team. Um yeah, they're And that was like who who would have guessed that? Well, they have um they're gonna have probably the rookie the Calder trophy winner on their uh on their roster too, who uh what's his name? I can't. I, Kirill Kaprizov. Kirill Kaprizov. And I mean, I'm just going to read off his basic stats. And I'm sure if he, he was almost a point per game player, he put up 51 points in 54 games for the wild. I mean, every for, single time I saw him, he was scoring a goal. Every he, single time. He was unbelievable. That's a, I mean, their coach should probably win the Jack Adams. I think I, I didn't, I, I didn't love this. I didn't love the wild. Um, so yeah, we're shifting to the West now, obviously, but I, I didn't love the wild going into the season and I had I think I had Phoenix finishing ahead of them right Phoenix really sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry Arizona sorry sorry I had the the record show I'm sorry I had that on a a podcast about with Coyotes coverage I apologize I apologize it's been a long long day I've been working as well the Arizona Coyotes I had them finishing fourth ahead of Minnesota. And that was our toss-up, right? We had Arizona yes. and Minnesota as our toss-up. We were like, and, oh, Vegas and Colorado are going to be, that's going to be a one-two punch. And then 
St. Louis is probably going to be, they're not going to fight with them, but they're going to be, you know, like how the West was, where it was teams that were going to make it and teams that weren't. That's kind of what we thought those top three were. And then it was going to be Arizona and Arizona and Minnesota battling it out. And then Arizona and St. Louis had that crazy. I think that was kind of the game changer there. Arizona and St. Louis played each other for seven 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 consecutive games and Arizona cleaned things up I thought that was if they hadn't have played that series I feel like they would have struggled a lot more and uh that ended up being the battle for pretty much the entire year I know that LA Kings fans will say that they came close to making it no they didn't no No, they 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 had they had a nice month or a couple three weeks to start the season and then it it just felt like the Coyotes did in the years that the Coyotes were like a no chance team and kind of like when the Islanders weren't a playoff team where yeah if you were at the bottom of the league and then you went on a hot run and that hot run got you into the bubble picture, that doesn't make you a good team. That makes you yeah. a bad team that had a good run. Yeah, and that's kind of what Chicago did too in the central. Yep. But yeah, that was LA the fell off. Yeah. LA didn't even come close. Nope. So you, you're looking at, uh, we, we picked, uh, I can't remember in this exact we Vegas order. First. Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, Arizona. And on that note, we'll be right back with more Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference. Okay, we had to take a quick break because Kat got a delivery that was, was it five boxes I heard? Yeah, it was five boxes and a mattress. Five boxes and a mattress, so uh, we took a short break um, and our lovely producer Maxwell will uh, work his movie magic um to edit that little space but we were talking about the west and we were talking about the western division and how uh minnesota was really the the team that we felt was the most surprising um because we had them finishing finishing behind arizona um so and we were talking about like they're probably gonna have uh the calder trophy winner with uh how do you say his name cat uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Which, Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, as, as an Islanders fan, I can understand you not remembering that because it took me at least half the season to remember that it is Kirill Kaprizov who's in Kir- the league now and not Kirill Kabanov. Oh, He's yes. my favorite cult player ever. Yeah. The guy with, he had the neck tattoos. Yes. And those crazy draft pictures that, uh, with him like popping out through the curtain and peeking with his big smile. He he could, you know, he he was a we are uh yeah, he was a first round talent that just like he dropped solo in the draft and the Islanders were able to scoop him up, but it it just never uh never was able to put it together. But their names are similar. Yes, that, that's why it <laughs> that is why weirdly similar. But so. he's doing very well, by the way. For any any Islanders fans who listen to this, he, oh uh, nice. He's been playing in Denmark and Germany and uh, pretty much at like a point per game pace for the last couple of years. He's got kids, uh, good for which him. I wouldn't have expected from a yeah. neck tattoo, but uh, good for him. Um, good for him. I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad we. I was able to find that out. I was wondering whatever happened. Think about him every once in a while. Yeah, for sure. Um so yeah, the the Wild ended up they really solidified their place in third because it seemed that no one was going to catch Vegas or Colorado. And then as you mentioned, it they it came really close came... to catching them though. That's the they crazy did. part. 
there was three points behind Colorado right now, and both how of many them points? three points. Oh, okay. I was and out. so they both have played fifty four games. So there's a there's a chance that they can, you know, they could potentially be not not the better team, but, but and I think Kirill Cap Kirill Kaprizov is a big part of that. So was Cam Talbot. Like that, I I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for yeah, being a big difference maker for them this year, especially when you look at the fact that Colorado, with no disrespect to Philip Grubauer, who I think has been excellent, but we talk about those guys who are durable and who aren't durable, and I don't like calling guys flaky or softer, like yeah. the bullshit that someone tweeted at me about Tuka Rask a few days, like I think it was a few weeks ago, where he called him a part-time goaltender. Oh my god. And Because <laughs> he, he only that's, plays half the season, right? That's, that's um, par for the course with... Uh, yeah. Peak with, Boston fans. Peak Boston fans. Bruins fans. Um, yes. Um, but yeah, I think Philip Grubauer is not one of those guys who, if he needs to, can play like, he couldn't have played 56 games this year. No. I think there are some guys around the league who could have. Um, and he's not one of those. And uh, Pavel Francouz is, I thought he was one of the best stories to come out last year. You know, he was unbelievable. I mean, this seamless transition to playing in the NHL. Uh, Philip Grubauer is often injured. So, you know, he did a really good job of stepping up for them. Um, I think they kind of banked on, on that happening again. And so they entered the season with uh, Hunter Miska as their number three. Who, yeah. No disrespect to Hunter Miska. Also a really nice guy. But that guy didn't get signed by Arizona. It, did, yeah. it wasn't that he just got, like, as an RFA, he got a new minor league contract and they didn't plan on bringing him up. Like, they released him outright because he just wasn't in their minor league plans and Colorado signed him to an AHL deal. And he then, you know, he was a workhorse for them in the minors came up to the NHL for a game last year to really help them out. Like backed up, uh, didn't end up actually playing in any games, but so they signed him to an NHL deal so that he could essentially get recalled when they had their injuries last year. And then, signed him to an extension, had him as the backup this year. He played in five games, went 1-1-2, and two, and had an 8.38 save percentage, uh, which right. to put in perspective, I think we talked about it, Jonas Johansson, who was their trade from Buffalo, had yes. an 8.94 in Buffalo last year and 8.84 in Buffalo this year. He ended up playing in seven games for Colorado. He went 4-1-1 one, and one in games that were recorded as his games. And had a 907 save percentage. Like okay, so to be the guy on the team who had an 838, like that's that's not a good sign. And uh, Adam Werner, who's their AHL guy, really just was not putting it together well enough. And they didn't, you know, they didn't bring him up. And so they they traded for Jonas Johansson, who's been okay, but obviously needs to shake off whatever Buffalo did to him there, um, which Devin is like Dubinick. another episode entirely. And then Devin yeah. Dubinick, yeah, who 88.6 save percentage. Uh, once again, like all these goalies are such nice boys, but like Devin Dubnik health-wise has not been, like he just hasn't had the same physical ability to play that he did when he was at his peak. And I mean, he's he's six foot six and 224 pounds and he's 35 years old. Yeah. Keeping yeah. that size, body, conditioned, 
beyond a certain age is very hard. Yeah, especially the way that goaltenders play. And so I think his body just finally caught up to him. And, you know, that's I'm not confident that if Philip Grubauer goes down, uh, their three-ring circus underneath him of Johansson, Dubnik, and Miska, I don't. I don't feel nearly as confident in them as I do in Capo uh, Kakinen behind Cam Talbot. And that, yeah. I think that says, that says a lot about how just bizarre this season's been. Um, Grubauer's playing again, though. He's healthy right right now, right? Yeah, he's healthy. He just, he him has, being healthy is like, that's, there's always a little he, asterisk he, by it. He, yeah, he, I mean, he, he was hurt. hurt last year during the bubble. He, he. He has a history. Last year during the bubble, he was hurt during the playoffs. He was yeah. hurt during the regular season twice. Nothing. Nothing uh, the him. year prior. <laughs> yeah, that's that's tough. That's it's a it's a tough sport. So I don't blame anyone for being hurt, but his health is definitely a question going into this playoffs. And um, so that's that's your matchups are going to be you're going to have Vegas versus St. Louis, right? And then um, I'm not sure if they've set that yet since uh. I mean, I think that they still have. Can they catch? Yeah, they still have. They still have games to play. I mean, in but, theory, you have two more games apiece for Minnesota and St. Louis. Um, how, how far ahead is Minnesota from St. Louis, though? Uh, St. Louis is only. Or, sorry, you have Minnesota and Colorado for second and third. Um, yes. So Minnesota still has two more games, and they're only three points behind Colorado. Right. So regardless, so they, could, they could swap though. They could swap, but that would just be basically swapping home ice for that series. Oh, that's right. So um, I wonder if so if Colorado has two games left. I hope I hope our listeners like that. I'm trying to calculate what's going on here because um, I'm just uh, bad at this. Uh, they could real. Colorado's they could, only two points behind yes, Vegas with a game in hand, so they could realistic. Yeah. Ugh. So we really don't. Okay, let's just. Really, the the West is it's. It's all over the place, and Vegas has been, I mean, they've been what we expected them to be, but they've yeah. also had, and part of it's been Robin Leonard hasn't been as good as we had hoped. He's, he's been very good, but not, like, in prior years, like with the Islanders, he had a 930 save percentage. With the Sabres, his uh, second year there, he had a 920 save percentage. He had a 918 last year with Chicago and then a 940 with Vegas in his last three games. This year, he's climbed his way back up to a 913, but he, he was kind of struggling this year. And part of it is, and he's been very vocal about it, uh, mental health-wise, the impact of the isolation of this season has not treated him kindly. Yeah. And he's been as open as anyone about that. And so yes. that's that's a question mark team too. I think well, uh, Mark Andre Fleury's been like a Vezina caliber goalie. Yeah, but he's gonna win the Vezina probably. I would be shocked if he didn't. Yes. I would be so very shocked if he didn't. You're you're gonna. Uh, my, I'm assuming here, and it's never good to do that, but uh, Vegas is playing um, San Jose tonight. That should be a Vegas win. And it should be, but the season has proven to us that it should might not work. Okay, uh, I if they win though, if let's they, say they, they win, clinch, yep, yeah, they clinch first. Um, they clinch first, and I think they could they will take care of the Blues pretty easily. Um, you would, I would, I would not want, so. yeah, 
I would not want to play the Wild. That's the one team. No. If I'm a, if I'm the, if I'm Vegas or Colorado, I would not want to play the Wild. I, I have, if it's Colorado versus Minnesota, I think I have Minnesota upsetting Colorado in the first round. I can see that happening. I, I won't put, like, I won't put it out there into the, like, into the universe that that's what I think will happen. But I would not be shocked if it happened. Yeah. I mean, I'll put, I'll tweet my predictions and how many, how many games each year's will go or whatever. But I, man, I, I don't know. Uh, Minnesota's right there too with color. They're, they're pretty even. I don't know what their head to head record is, but I, listen, the Avalanche are a great team. Um, and Minnesota's gone uh, seven, one, and two yeah. in their last ten. Uh, Colorado's gone six and four. So they're and both basically all the teams that are in the playoffs over this last stretch. Um, it's because like St. Louis, they went six, one, and three. That's how yeah. they ended up bumping, like essentially edging Arizona because Arizona went four, five, and one. Yeah. Um, and if it had been reversed, uh, Arizona would be the team in the playoffs now. And yep. unfortunately for Coyotes fans, sorry guys. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, St. Louis, no, no offense to St. Louis. Um, they are, are they the only playoff team with a negative goal difference? Yeah. No, no, no I think. Montreal uh, too. Good for Montreal. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and, and I, I think Nashville has to too. No, Nashville officially has a plus two. What? Oh my God. Yeah, they, they finally, because they, they, they got it together at the end. Yeah, I the mean. At the very end, they finally found their, their rhythm. Their goalie oh. sent them, dragged them kicking and screaming into that um, yeah. playoff spot. And we'll get into that. that. Was, Good, like, and good for them. But, yeah, but yeah it was St. Louis. Uh, having watched them roughly six million times this year, um, when they played Arizona, like, there's always a team each year, right? That when you play that team, you're like, cool. We're barring an upset, we're getting a win tonight. Yeah. And then there are teams that you play at Colorado that you say, cool, we're getting a loss tonight. But and so we... when you look at the record, uh, yeah. You you just kind of you bank those ahead of time, and St. Louis was kind of that team this year for Arizona that when they played them, you you kind of expected a win because they they were a similarly constructed team to Arizona in terms of their talent distribution, in terms of who stood out and who didn't, and Arizona had the the more consistent goaltending this year. Not that that said a lot because Arizona's goaltending was not as consistent as it could have been, but yeah. But yeah, St. Louis was like, they were just kind of there. If they'd missed the playoffs, I wouldn't have been shocked. The fact that they made it, like, okay. Um, and then Minnesota's been very, very good. They've had a few games where they were just like a disaster, but yeah. they were the team this year for Arizona that when Arizona played Minnesota, they expected a loss. Yeah. And that's that's a shock, but but good for them. I mean, I think that's that's a team that, they're usually yeah. very forgettable to watch, and they finally yep. added some fun. They they were always such a boring team, and even when they made the playoffs, you're like, this is a team that's going to lose in five or six games in the first round. And it felt like that's how it always went, and that's no disrespect to Minnesota fans or anyone, but the, I mean, I feel like yeah, this is one of the most yeah, the mo- one of the most complete teams they've had in a while, and which was very unexpected and good for them. Yeah. That's why I I'd really like them to see. Uh, them upset Colorado if they do end up playing them, which I, I could I could see that series going seven games. But as we said at the beginning of the season, it always felt like this was a crash course heading for a Vegas Colorado second round. So 
it feels like that's what's going to end up happening, but you never know. So that, that'll be there will be some entertainment uh, in the first round when if Colorado faces Minnesota, I think I think that will be a really good series to watch. Um, and then we can I guess we well, let's uh, shift up north. I, I think let's do let's do central because the north is. Yeah, I, I think they deserve like a special like they yeah. deserve. So option. really quick with the central. I think I had. You had. Are you ready? Uh, <clears throat> we were ahead. wrong. Um, so we both had a team making it that did not make it. Um, Dallas. You had Dallas. I had Columbus. But oh. they were our last teams. That was the most correct division for us. Um, yeah. we, we both had Tampa Bay winning. Yep. Which was a shock, right, that they didn't. And by, by a handy amount there, they, they had 75 points. Yep. Then Florida had 79 Yep. So that's going to be the battle of Florida. That's going to awesome. be super fun. Um, and then series. Carolina won yeah. with 80 points. Good for them. You know what? What a Ra- fun team. Ra- I said uh, the Minnesota coach should win Jack Adams. You're going to hear a lot for Rod Brendamore for Jack Adams. I don't think anyone picked. I uh, think he'll be a finalist for picked, sure. Um, picked her- the Hurricanes to win. Yeah, they yeah. they picked the Hurricanes as a solid um playoff team i i thought that i said okay they'll finish you know second or third but they look good they look like they're they're ready to go and did they finish with the they've most matured. points they've matured they have and it seems like they're just they only had 12 losses uh regulation losses or yeah <laughs> so they're <laughs> yeah they're like? yeah i know they're they're in good shape and they they seem like they're ready to go um Panthers, Tampa Bay. I, I think a lot of people still like Tampa Bay to win that series. I think it's neither be... of us had Florida making it, which I think again that was about what, yeah. what the Panthers did sure. this year. And you know what I think part of it was. So we we've made fun of the Panthers right for years, yeah. and I've yeah. tried not to make fun of the Panthers because first off, amazing fan base. Those sure. fans are the nicest people in the world. Um, but. They were the team, kind of like what Arizona did for a little while, and then Florida kept doing it, where when a team needed to get rid of someone, they sent them to Florida. And for Arizona, it was, you know, they took on these contracts that were guys who were no longer playing to get them to the cap and then would take, like, a valuable cheap player. And Florida was taking these guys that, like, giving them a second chance, um when they really weren't getting it done wherever they were from, right? And so they they brought on Anthony Duclair, who I I love watching Anthony Duclair score, but he went through yeah the Rangers, traded him to the Coyotes. Uh, with the Coyotes, he did really well his first year. Then he really struggled. He met with a lot of resistance um, trying to figure out his scoring um, under the Rick Tockett system. Uh, that just didn't he and Rick Tockett just didn't seem to fully click. He and Dave Tippett didn't really seem to fully click. Um, and so the Coyotes then traded him to the Blackhawks, um, which I broke down that trade uh, on Twitter a couple of days ago because Dylan Strom was scratched in four of his last 10 games. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and Anthony Duclair is one of, I think when I counted it all out, there were 14 players who changed hands between Arizona and Chicago in one calendar year. They traded 14 players back and forth, which is bananas. But so he was one of those. And he got traded to the Blackhawks for Richard Ponick, 
who, by the way, was still playing this year. I figured that out like last week. Um, but then Arizona, you know, they hoped that he would, you know, find his stride in Chicago. He very much didn't. Um, he was then essentially released by the Blackhawks. They they didn't bother re-signing him. And so the Blue Jackets picked him up as a free agent. And everyone was like, oh, look at Columbus managed to pick up this player. And he, I, he I know well. this is going to, I know this is going to shock you, but he did not get along with John Tortorella. Yeah. He still um, had some nice games though for Columbus. He did what he, what he usually does, which is scores some really clutch goals and then kind of struggled with the playmaking, kind of struggled with the defense and with meshing yeah. in the system. And so he got traded to uh, to the Ottawa Senators in that Ryan Zingle trade. Uh, oh, that's right. That's and right. Then, oh, my God. He has, he has been around. Yeah, yeah. And then he ended up with the Senators for all of last season. They were a shit show. He played really well, though. He, he, he played up- unbelievably. He was their best player other than uh, their captain, Thomas Chibot. Um And he had 23 goals for them in 66 games. That was his second time hitting the 20-goal mark. Um which is crazy considering that he bounced around so much. Um, and then he opted to represent himself as in, during his contract negotiations and did not accept the qualifying offer. Um, like the team essentially said, Hey, well, this is, we'll give you the qualifying offer. We'll, we'll see if we can work something out. Uh, he said no and went as a free agent Um Ended up signing with the Florida Panthers um, and finally played arguably his most well-rounded game um, in terms of like the way he played his game that we've seen yet. He had 10 goals, uh, which is not his highest total, obviously, but respectable for 43 games and then 32 points. That was the first time that his assists have, since his first year in Arizona, the first time that his assists have really outweighed his uh his goal scoring which is usually a good sign that you're also setting up your teammates and yeah you know they they so they had him they had uh sam bennett got traded there we thought that was kind of funny because sam bennett was really struggling in In calgary Calgary. um and he ended up with 15 points in his 10 games that he played for florida like he he turned it on they added depth. They added some nice, nice depth. And in regards to Duclair, like you said, he's his assist total is up. Um, his shooting percentage is actually, uh, you know, it, it's 12.4 for, percent for his career. Right now, he's shooting at a 9.6%. He might, he might go back, you know, progress back to his, that or regress, whatever you want to. I don't know the correct term, but he might go back to, you know, shooting at 12.4%. You could see some goals drop in the playoffs for him. Like if he's he's shooting below his shooting percentage, his assist totals up. So uh, he's still getting shots on net. Um, he had 104 shots in 43 games. So you could see that that number go up a little bit, and um, you could see some maybe some more goals from him uh, in terms of production in the playoffs, which would against Tampa that would be huge. So and then that Sam Bennett trade ended up being. I think we laughed at it because didn't they give up like two seconds for Sam Bennett or something like that, Florida? And everyone's he like, was he he essentially fetched them more than um, Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall did, yeah. And it was, I mean, he got a second. He fetched them a second round pick, but not this year. The following year, so during yeah. that, essentially that draft that we're expecting to uh, 
to be a monster draft and yep. then and then a prospect. But yeah, he uh, he's he's one of those guys who I always thought was going to be better than he was, and then he just really struggled in Calgary in a in a big big way. Um, seems to struggle more and more with every passing year, and eventually they just said, you know, it's time to always- go. He always had a nice playoff. He always was pretty decent in the playoffs, though. That's why Calgary would always kind of hung on to him a little longer than they, I think, people thought, because he always did pretty well in the playoffs. Um, let me look at his playoff stats. Yeah, yeah, he had eight points in ten games and five yeah. points in five, and then yeah, two goals so in four, four and 19 eleven. Nineteen points in 30, 30 playoff games, like that's pretty solid, and I think that's. Mainly why people thought, okay, Florida's going to trade for him because he, he you know, I guess he ups his game a little bit in the playoffs. But you know what? He's having a really nice, uh, he had a really nice, you know, final 10 games with Florida. 15 points in 10 games. That's great. That's, I would sign up for that and we'll see what happens uh, heading into the series. Because it's, this might be, besides I think the matchups in the East, I, I think this could be the best first round matchup. That I'm looking I forward think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, yeah, well, I mean, Tampa is Tampa. With respect to the Nashville-Carolina matchup, which is going to be, you know, I think that'll be, that one's going to have flair, because those are two teams that genuinely enjoy embracing not being an old-school hockey market, right? We've yep. got catfish Good. being smuggled in under people's shirts. We've got the dancing t- on the ice for Carolina. There's, the jerks, there's always yeah. something fun. And yep. so... It's but great then, for hockey. It's it's that's what it is. Right. It's gonna be a really good matchup for um I that's off the ice, it's gonna be I think on the ice it's gonna be good too, but off the ice that one's gonna be fun. But two, fa- two fun Tampa fans. Bay Tampa Bay kind of and and not to like they didn't cheat, right? They absolutely didn't cheat, but they basically looked at their lineup, said, Hey, we can make the playoffs without some of our top players. You're not healthy enough. Okay, you wanna you wanna sit out until until the playoffs. Who is it? Uh, Kucherov, right? Yeah, Nikita Kucherov hasn't played. <laughs> They're like, uh, hey, bud, why don't you? But he's gonna why really. Why don't you just wait? And I mean, he's. That's the thing is, I think he. I mean, obviously, he's still been rehabbing, because uh, he did have a pretty substantial injury there. But he's been on the ice skating for a a little longer than you'd expect. Most teams would be able to clear him and get him back on the ice during like early April. I think yeah. he would have been back for any other team. And yeah, they just, they just held him out. And so well, they, they had to, because of they couldn't reactivate him off, off uh, LTIR because of, um I'm sure. Salary that, that's it's not like they did. It's not like they were, Oh no, we can't react. But what we do, that was intentional right. on there. No, part. That it, was it, all intentional, but I think that could come with a, listen, you're getting a great player an MVP caliber player back into your lineup for the playoffs. I believe he's supposed to play uh, yeah. um, in the first round. You're getting that back into your lineup, back into your top line. That's huge. But you're, you're kind of just throwing him out there. You're like he, he, everyone has played regular season games, has been able to ramp up a little bit for this playoffs, for the playoffs. This guy's kind of coming in, <laughs> coming you in know cold. Who I feel confident can come in cold and do just fine. Uh, Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> but, yes. If, when he scores a fucking hat trick, I'm going to look like a jerk, but I'm when just saying. We, it, when we look at guys like, like Nikita Kucherov and, 
other elite, I mean, essentially the elite offensive talents, right? They need to be at peak physical performance in addition to being at peak mental performance. And I, I kind of look at it as kind of like what happened with Phil Castle this year, uh, which shout out to Phil, by the way, we uh, selected him as our, our Masterton nominee for the Coyotes, uh, myself, Craig Morgan and uh, Jose Romero. Good um, for him. Good and for him. he's not going to win it, which we know, and that's okay. But he, he led the team in goals and in points. He, he had a 20 goal season. Like, yeah. I love that for him, but it was He's his still first doing it. year. He's one of those guys who plays every single game. I mean, he's got the third longest active game, like Ironman streak in the league. Um, I was looking it up to see just how, like, just how likely he is to get ousted from where he is on the Ironman list. And this, the next longest Ironman streak, uh, because he's about to surpass Patrick Marlowe, who we assume is going to retire. Um, soon. Very soon. Um, but he has 904 consecutive games. I think Patrick Marlowe has 912, something like that. Um, and so if he retires this summer, Phil really just has to start off next season. And he'll pass it, be second on the active list. And I think that'll put him in like the top five or four all time. Um but the next highest active one, so showing the next closest guy to potentially meeting him and Keith Yandel and Patrick Marlowe, is Brent Burns, whose Ironman streak is at 500 yeah, so. games. So he's almost 400 games behind the rest of them. Yeah. Which, with no disrespect to Brent Burns, I don't see him playing 400 more consecutive games. I just don't. And then after that, nobody else in terms of active Ironman streaks was even on the list yeah. because the league shows the the list for Ironman streaks down to I think there's 28 of them and the 28th is is Glenn Hall by the way it's a goalie um and I think he had 498 or something um and so that means that everyone else at this point is in the 400s or below so Phil Kessel's durability is not going to get touched um but he Almost did that to his detriment, right? Like last season, we all knew he was hurt. It was the worst kept secret on the team. Um, and he kept playing, didn't play as well as he could have. He finished with 14 goals, 38 points in 70 games, which is not Phil Kessel-esque. It was his first time not even hitting 20 goals since uh, the 07-08 season, which was the year after he underwent treatment for testicular cancer. Um, and getting that super long rest for a guy who's as much of a workhorse as he is, where he essentially, I mean, the league paused in March, resumed the the bubble in August. The Coyotes were out after a five-game series against Nashville, and then they were pretty much out. Or no, I think it was four games against Nashville, and then they came very close to getting swept by Colorado. He got another three or four months stretch to recover, and then he got to play. And he returned to essentially Phil Kessel form. And so a guy like Nikita Kucherov getting what what will essentially amount to his first real rest in, I'm looking back, uh, Tampa Bay in 2016-17 didn't make the playoffs. And he didn't play, obviously. Um, 
But other than that, he's played, let's see, 26 playoff games in 14, 15, 17 in 15, 16, 17, 3, 25 last year. So he's he's getting he, getting he, that long rest. I mean, yeah. I'd be I'd be nervous if I was if That's I was true. Florida. I'd be nervous about seeing what a truly well rested Nikita Kucherov because he got to usually when a guy's out for injury, like as soon as they're healthy again, they're back. Yeah. But he got injury recovery and then he got some extra time, like just for funsies. And that's, I mean, I'd be, I'd be very nervous if I sure. was Florida. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it's huge for Tampa. Um, and you make a really good point. Like he's, he's going to be very well rested and he hasn't had the grind either. So I, I get of this season, which was, you know, it was a grind, I think ask any player and anyone who covers teams or even watched it. <laughs> um, it was, I think it was a grind for everyone. Um, but yeah, so central has some really intriguing matchups. Uh, Panthers lightning seems to be one of the most intriguing in the league. Uh, hurricanes predators. I, I mean, I think the hurricanes should handle the predators, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Hurricanes can get goaltended to death by. Pecorine's got his. Yeah. Pecorine very likely might be done. Right. Well, he's not starting for he's not going to start. He's not going to start, but he's going to be there. And so if something goes wrong with uh, with our young prince, uh, Juicy Saros, um, they have someone who isn't going to like not not that anyone would half ass it. Right. Yeah. Obviously, nobody's going to half ass it. But if he gets a chance to play in the playoffs, if he doesn't, it's because uh, Juicy Saros is playing out of his mind. And if he does get to play, that's not that's not a goaltender I'd want to go up against during what could be like his swan song there, right? right. Yeah, he could he could turn. He has ex- plenty of experience, and you know what? Even with uh, UC Saros, if you look, he's having an unbelievable year: twenty-one and eleven one-loss record. And again, these are just very basic uh, up upfront stats. Uh, goals against average: two point two eight, and a save percentage of nine twenty-seven. So, I mean, we all Nashville was very stinky there for a while, and we're like, oh, it's only At a matter. At the start of the year, he was yeah. not playing well. Right. And we all. all we all expected once Dallas, you know gets off their COVID break, they're going to, they're going to catch them. And they never did. And so UC Soros dragged Nashville to the playoffs and maybe he'll drag them to the next round. Who knows? But I, I like that Hurricanes team and how they're playing right now. So it, it, Central has some interesting matchups, which I'm very excited for. Um, I'm excited that we were so close to being right about them. Yeah. It seemed like, yeah. Since we were so wrong everywhere else. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited that we were, we were we did okay. We did okay with the central division, which is nice. Yeah. And then there's the north. Then there's the north <laughs> division, which we we put out, and we'll get to the Twitter responses and shortly because I think there was a lot of uh, we we asked you know what was your most wrong prediction, and we got I feel like a lot pointed to the north. I I could be wrong. Yeah. I know I, I know I, I start- go ahead. No, I, I I would agree that a lot of people got it wrong yeah. uh, in our responses. But so, speaking of our responses, uh, this is how we how we broke down the North. You predicted that Toronto would finish first, which everyone did. Everyone yeah, did. Everyone did. Um, and surprise, we were right. Um, yeah. Although I don't think any of us predicted that it would be because Jack Campbell was like a Vesna caliber goaltender. 
I yeah. love Jack Campbell, and I still didn't think that was the case. He had a he had he he had a nice ten game, twelve game stretch there where he um. He's still having a good. Yeah, he he's seven seventeen two and two. Yeah, he's actually That's ridiculous. Think, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think. Uh, yeah, actually, he's played really well. For, I don't think he's gonna. I think they're gonna start Frederick Anderson though. I, yeah, I don't think so. You think I think you, a lot of people are, and it's that's the thing is no one's sure. Yeah. Because right? nobody knows what what they're even thinking there, but I think a lot of people are thinking that there's a chance that Campbell sure. gets the start just because Anderson. I mean, he hasn't looked healthy and yeah. hasn't been healthy, but he hasn't looked it even when he has played. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't, he, he, he hasn't so, looked like himself. He right? doesn't he seem to have it. Like a good goaltender. He does not seem to have it this year. So yeah, we Maple Leafs. I would go with Jack Campbell if I was if I was smart and yes. I was a head coach. I would go with Jack Campbell. Makes sense. I I wouldn't uh, blame you for going with Jack Campbell. It's de- definitely the sensible uh, pick. But ma- yes, yeah, Tor- we had we had Toronto first. Toronto. Um, then you had Montreal second, which golf clap to you because. No, they did not finish second. They finished fourth. Uh, but you had them making it. the playoffs, and I did not. <laughs> As well, to be fair to you, they definitely tried to not make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> they tried really hard not to make the playoffs. So, like they, they tried their damnedest not to make the playoffs. Um, they wanted no part of the postseason this year, and uh, and the rest of the North unfortunately told them too bad. We want it less than you do. Um, yeah. It was one of those turtle races. Um, I have to give credit to you because I believe you picked the Jets uh, second. Yeah, you third. you missed the Jets. Uh, I had the Jets third, um, which they you are. didn't have the Jets at all. Uh, so you I got didn't. the first two correct in that they made it. Uh, yeah. Your second two, you had Calgary third and Vancouver fourth. Um which I mean, I guess they were. That's the order that they're gonna finish in um, <laughs> to the bottom, um, because uh, the ultimate standings. Uh, after I, I'll share mine too, and then we'll we'll talk about the reality. So Toronto, Montreal, Calgary, Vancouver. Uh, I picked Toronto first as well. Then I picked Vancouver, and that was at the time I said that was my sleeper pick. That was my. I, I was either going to be really right or really wrong, and I was just going to own it. Um, but I liked what Thatcher Demko had done. I thought they'd brought in some kind of cool pieces over the offseason. Um, turns out. I thought there was a real, I thought there was some optimism there. And it turns out there wasn't just not optimism. There was a, it was like nothing but sadness, pain and sadness all year. Um, so really and, quick. Yes. Just regarding the Canucks. Um I think they need their own. They need their own segment. Just yeah, they really do. But like, my brother once told me that like in life, people give off like energies, like positive energies, negative energies, good vibes, bad vibes. The Canucks are just like that person that just give off very bad vibes, very, <laughs> very negative energy. And I just every every time I read about this team or watch a game, I'm I, it's just. Whether it's their own fault or, or you know, they, they have that. They don't even, they don't even give off bad energy. They give off messy energy. Very messy, very chaotic. They give off, they give off Jersey Shore energy. Like they, they give, they give off Bravo reality TV energy. Yes, that's what they. People can take as negative. Like it, it's, 
I will say they had a terrible COVID outbreak, which was it was it's, it was really really scary for them there. And they come back from their COVID break and they sweep the Maple Leafs in a two game set, which I think is probably the highlight of their season, right? So, yes. but everything That's the else, only good thing that happened. Though. Everything else, just between management, there seems to be a, a, with off the ice issues. Everything with this team is just I don't like yeah. it. <laughs> I do not. I don't like think it. that's the thing is I don't think they like it either, and that's you can yeah. tell. Yes. I, I know we briefly touched on it when during our last episode with Shayna, um, which if our listeners have not heard it yet, you should go listen to it. Um, it was very informative. Sure, uh, for sure. We, I, I touched a little bit on, I was talking with one of the Honda West uh, TV analysts who played in the NHL, and he was talking about how certain teams make it very easy to want to be there and certain teams make it very hard and that the culture not just on the ice and like whether the guys mesh together but in terms of how the team informs you of things in terms of how they treat you when you're on the road how they make sure that you're prepared they listen to what you need uh all that stuff makes a big difference in terms of whether or not you want to come to the rink and I have part of it, I'm going to put on the NHL, right? It was not yeah. just Vancouver having messy, messy culture. That The NHL dropped the ball with their the COVID outbreak. Hugely, Absolutely. Hugely. Absolutely. BC Miller was willing to go on record, and he yeah. said that it was very not smart and dangerous, and he dangerous. didn't like it for their families. And, uh, and I think he was right because they absolutely played down the back stretch, like a team that was not – like they didn't have the energy they came out and like the adrenaline of like, finally we're back on the ice. We're back in games. But I think all of us have been very, very sick before. And yeah, you can go for like when you go for your first run or go to the gym for the first time after you're sick, like you've been cooped up at home, you have all this energy. It's great. The first like 10 minutes are amazing. And then after that, like you're wiped and that's kind of what they look like down the back stretch. And I don't think that's safe. Uh, no. So that's partially on the NHL, but sure. it's also partially on, on the Vancouver Canucks and coaching management. I think Jim Benning, uh, oh. we've talked about him before, but uh, I, think I, I do not want to talk about Jim Benning, game. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they massively, I, mean, I think he massively dropped the ball in terms of making sure that they had the right pieces there and making sure that everybody was ready to go. And it's just, I don't, the, it looked like a team that didn't want to be there especially over the last week or so. Uh, there's a very fun Twitter account, uh, Tommy the Tractor Guy. Uh, Tommy, who, by the way, had the had COVID at the same time as the Canucks and detailed his experiences. But he did these really fun videos this year where, fun for us, not for him. Uh, every time the team lost, he would make this video of him listening to, like, easy listening music, like alto sax music, um, with him like competitively eating weird foods and air drumming along to the songs and they were funny at the beginning and then they became kind of sad and the last few have been hilariously sad because the Canucks have been getting shut out every game they're not just losing they're getting shut out and they got shut out five nothing last night and that's like we couldn't have been more wrong about that I had them second you had them in fourth uh And then I had Winnipeg, who you did not have making it. Um, and then I had Calgary. Both of us had Calgary and Winnipeg making it. And 
the team that we did not have making it that did. Uh, Mike Smith, baby. Let's Edmonton. go. Yes, Mike Smith. <laughs> God damn. God damn it, Mike Smith. Uh, um, we could... Let me go on record, by the way, as saying that I still don't. If I was a, if I was an NHL GM, and know how sometimes, you know, a guy gets signed. Anthony Duclair. Let's yeah. use him. I think he's an amazing example of a guy who a lot of GMs are probably kicking their, themselves because he... I mean, he wanted more than Ottawa was willing to pay him to stay there, which, I mean, I would want more from Ottawa than anywhere else. But I think he signed a very reasonable contract with Florida, and a lot of NHL GMs could have pulled that off, and I think they're kicking themselves over yep. it. But if I'm an NHL GM and I'm looking at Mike Smith right now, I'm, I'm so- not kicking myself over not signing him. Not at all. You're waiting, like, for, the, you're waiting for the bridge <laughs> to break. You're waiting for right. that, the, the dam to explode and the floodgates to open. And I think... You you have detailed this um, several times throughout uh, basically the the what is this year and a half we've been doing this podcast because he he's played for Arizona and um, yeah it's we're all just like he's he's playing well this year but he's an older goaltender I think he's almost forty or he is forty or he's uh, not forty yet but he'll be forty. Uh this upcoming season because he is 39 years old yeah and so um, he, yeah he is chronically injured chronically and not yeah. not even just in a like we look at guys like i know some people like to nitpick certain goalies who oh this guy can't stay healthy uh cory crawford was one of them who managed to put up like a really really respectable career before he, he won retired. he won a, he won didn't he win two stanley cups <laughs> i mean yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> one two and he came very close to winning others. But yeah. no, I Mike Smith is always on the table, having to having to rehab something. And the way he plays does not lend itself to his physique, um, in terms of staying healthy. And he has not changed it over the years. He still plays like he did, you know, years ago and sometimes it works for him and sometimes it doesn't. Uh I think that he kind of like Phil Smith or Phil Kessel, Phil Smith, Jesus Christ, uh, like Phil Kessel, like he benefited tremendously from having these massive breaks and he still missed part of the season for injury. Like that blows my mind. Right. Yeah. Uh, so but good for good for him getting the Oilers into the playoffs because well, I know that he he, I, I would say it was more Connor McDavid. Uh, no, I think I think he got them into the playoffs because he finished with 13.9 goals saved above average, a 9.24 save percentage. Um, sure. He had three shutouts. Yeah, that's but three shutouts in 31 games. That's one every ten. That's Connor McDavid. Connor has McDavid been on almost the team for how many years now? He almost averaged two points a game, though. He's He scored 100. That's the thing. I think this is not to disrespect Connor McDavid, although I'm so fucking tired of Connor McDavid. Oh, I love uh, Connor McDavid. I'm, I'm I, all in on, so on Connor McDavid. I'm, I'm all so in on Connor McDavid. I'm a big Connor McDavid boy. Let's go. I want to see I want to okay. see him and Mike Smith drag the Oilers to Western Conference Finals. It's not, it wasn't just Connor McDavid, right? No. Like, it's not... It's like when you see someone, you're like, oh, she's got a pretty dress on. Like, that doesn't mean the girl next to her is wearing an ugly dress. Like, it's just like to give Mike Smith a compliment, which I don't do very often. Let me do it. He, yes. Okay. Go he, ahead. <laughs> he brought, like, he helped. He's the reason they made the playoffs because without him, they had Miko Koskinen, 
who is not a starting goaltender. No. He has an 899 save percentage. And then Stuart Skinner played in one game, had an 868. Mike Smith was the difference maker there, unfortunately. And, <laughs> I mean, Connor McDavid has dragged that team. He's, he's the reason that they made it up front because – Ultimately, the rest of their roster, like Leon Dreisaitl, has been fantastic. Tyson Berry had a really good bounce back year. Darnell Nurse is like a monster. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is like a sweet. We we love Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, he's he's a good player. He's a sweet boy. But no, I think Connor, like Connor McDavid, has tried his damnedest to make that team relevant for what he had drafted in 2015. So six years now, seven years, he's played in the NHL for one, two, three. Four, five, six. And this will be just his third time making the playoffs. And last year, they had a four-game run. They didn't even make it out of the playoff, like the play-in round. They technically right. were not a playoff team. Like, yeah. that's, that's no. tragic. Yeah, they were, they were, they, those games are wild, too. Every game, it was like, it was like a game from the 1980s where it was like, I felt like every final score was like nine to six. Like nine, yeah, because it was, yeah. it Against. was, the Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that was, yeah. Funny. But no, My, I think that's, it'll be interesting. That's a poorly built roster. That's a very poorly built roster. Yeah. So and, it, it was, it was Connor McDavid who won the Hart trophy. And then it was Mike Smith playing really above his career average. I feel like, uh, oh, the last time he played that well was, um, never. Yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, Coyotes fans will get mad at me for saying that. He played as well as he did this year during the 2011-2012 season, which for Oilers to... fans who want a little victories made it to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, lost to the LA Kings, who won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So that Fair. was a very good team. Um, yeah. And Mike Smith was unreal. But no, they, I mean... Good for Mike Smith. Uh, I don't think either of us predicted that he would have that kind of bounce back year. No, so I don't I, even feel bad about missing that one. I, I don't I, feel bad about that at all. I, I picked. Uh, I, I, I specifically didn't pick the Oilers to. I picked the Oilers to miss the playoffs specifically because of their goaltending tandem, and I'm like, that's yeah, an icky. That's I think an that icky. was our number one thing. I'm like, that's an icky goaltending tandem. I don't care how many goals they score, but. Good for the Oilers. I'm I'm kind of pulling for them out of that division. Um, good for Winnipeg. You had Winnipeg. Uh, I did, yeah. Because I thought around. that Connor Hellebuck was going to be fine. He was. Um, he was very good. And I think that was. I mean, I feel let, let the record show. I feel pretty bad for Patrick Liney. Was miserable this year. He, he hasn't been having a fun time at all. He doesn't want to play for Team Finland at the Worlds. He wants to go home and forget about hockey for a little bit, which says a lot because he had three points in his one game with Winnipeg before getting... And then he still had... I mean, he had 21 points in 45 games for Columbus while playing for a coach who was actively hazing him. And yeah. I, I've stood up for John Tortorella in the past. No excuse for John Tortorella's yeah, behavior this year. He was a I, child. I want, like, he was a child. Want... I don't want to see him in the league anymore, and I yeah, know it's a different topic. I, I hope the Rangers don't. I mean, I hope for my sake, because I, I think they would, as an Islander fan, it would be funny to watch. I, I but, but I hope for the players. Sake, for the players, not. and if you're a Rangers or fan. Or that he gets a wake-up call, right? Yeah. That he gets a very serious wake-up call, that that's not how you treat players. Um, he's, he's 62. <laughs> just, we can, let's let's move on. He, he won a Stanley Cup. He's 
coached along it. Let's let's get some. Uh, I'm tired. Yeah, of, we all kind of. I'm I'm done with the coaching carousel. Yeah. The coaching carousel. Yeah. Recycling. Yeah. I I love recycling. I love saving the planet. Um, not not, with- not in this way. I uh, I think Winnipeg was kind of sketchy in that. Uh, so they played 56 games. Um, although have they played all 56 yet? I don't think so. They played 55. They played 55. Okay. So they've played 55. Uh, they've played Connor Hellebeck in 44 of those. Um, so when, I mean, they have, they have Paul Maurice as their head coach. He every year talks about advanced stats and he's willing to talk to, you know, the journalists there about all the numbers. And he, he's super intelligent sounding and he talks about like workload management. And then every year the evidence on the ice is absolutely to the contrary. And I don't, I don't love that. Um, Connor Hellebeck was our Vesna winner last year. Um, I don't think he's he's not in the Vesna conversation this year, but he was good. I mean, he was very good. He, he yeah. had my 15 save percentage. Uh, a little less consistent than he was last year. He had a 5.45 uh, quality start percentage. Um, he had six really bad starts, which he has every year. He has six really bad starts every single year except for his second season. That's- to, be f- to be fair to Connor Hellebuck, though, he's going against Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl seven times this season, or 14 games. <laughs> you know season. who else played against Connor McDavid this year? Who? Jack Campbell. Yeah, Jack Campbell. Jack- yeah, but I mean... <laughs> He didn't this have is, to play this against is the Jack Campbell stand account. He he. he I hear nothing he, to the contrary. He didn't have to play against Austin Matthews or William Nylander or John Tavares or I'm just saying I Wait, feel did like you just, I, did you just compliment John Tavares? I didn't compliment John Tavares. Yeah, I think he's you a good hockey player. Him. I'm defending Connor Hellebuck, saying he had to play against some insane shooting no, talent. I think, he, I think he did just fine this year. Yeah, I think he did. Just They're in the playoffs. Fine. They are in the playoffs, and I picked them to miss. So good, good for Winnipeg. All of their numbers were just above league average. So that's fine. Uh, league average uh, power play percentage. They did better. Um, the league average was a twenty percent power play percentage. Um, they had a twenty four percent success rate on their power play. Um, they had an eighty percent PK success rate. The league average was seventy nine. Um, their shooting percentage was 10. The league average was 9.6. Uh, save percentage was 9.11. League average was 9.04. Um, but their PDO was 100.9. So they were like, they weren't overperforming or underperforming. They were pretty much doing exactly what that team is built to do and, and good for them. Um, I guess that's what you kind of want, right? Yeah. Cause it means you're not gonna, or you could still get a nasty surprise, right? But it means that you know, you're not going to get this crazy, nasty surprise. Um, I think it's interesting. Laurent Brassois uh, had a 918 save percentage. Statistically, he did better this year than Connor Hellebeck. He didn't have a single bad start. Um, he allowed fewer goals per game. He only had one shutout to Hellebeck's four, but he, uh, he had a 636 quality start percentage, 918 save percentage. Um and I think they probably could have played him a little more than they did, right? I think they they relied once again a little too heavily on Connor Hellebeck, which their head coach says he won't do, and then he does. But yeah, I think that that was you know that's a team that I I figured they'd make it, but in a very like forgettable kind of way, kind of like a team like um, 
like the Islanders, no offense, uh, but a team that you're like, oh, they're going to make it. That's fine. And Carolina was kind of the same way for me where I was like, oh, they're going to make it. That's fine. Um, I will I will say it's not even I. that's you saying uh, for the Islanders, they're, they're going to make it and that's fine. That is not the case with a lot of um, And I pointed this out after they clinched that a, a lot. Once again, a lot of teams had them missing the playoff. Uh, not a lot of teams. That's a crazy. lot of a lot of writers, a lot of hockey, a lot of people in hockey media. I won't name names because I'm I'm going to be 31 and I'm very mature name now names. and I'm name not. Name names, do it. Call them out. It's just you look at every every there. A lot of outlets just didn't pick them because it's you know and you cover a team that also gets slighted by the hockey media, especially up north. You know, with the Coyotes. Uh, you know, people have a perception of the Islanders and that they were, they're just not, they're not a good team. They're a joke, blah, blah, blah. And they're not going to, they're, they're, they've been a good team for three years since their whole front office and coaching staff changed. So, um, regardless. It's a testament to that culture, but. Uh, yes, it's all about culture. Yeah, it's, I, the culture is important. It's an, it's an important thing in an organization. And I, I know we all roll our eyes at that sometimes, but it I is. I don't think we should though, especially because, so we look at the teams that didn't make it. Uh, so yeah. the Scotia North was the only team, the only division that did not have eight teams. Um, so every other division had four teams in, four teams out. Um, we had teams like Anaheim, uh, which was tragic. Messy. They're messy uh, not not even messy off the they were just bad. They were just yeah. bad. They yeah. they yeah. finished this season. They have played all their games. Um they have forty three points. The only team that is slated to finish below them is uh, Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. And Buffalo, Buffalo. with thirty seven points, which I think we should spend the last five minutes here talking about Buffalo, but no, so bad team, San Jose, uh, and LA both took some baby tiny itty bitty steps forward this year but we're bad teams parodies were barely competitive uh came super close but didn't make it you had columbus who i think that's i think we've said what we needed to say there when we look at john tortorella benching messy. patrick line he benched pierre luc dubois messy um, immature didn't immature. deserve that yeah <laughs> pierre luc dubois i mean that was that wasn't fair to him and then the last two games of the season you look at elvis merzlikens that team was not making the playoffs. They were very clearly out of it. Uh, they, they finished below Detroit. That's bad. Oh, and yeah, that's they finished terrible. below Detroit. That um, is bad. We 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 expected bad. Detroit like we're like this is going to be another all time. Like it's going to be Ottawa v Detroit. That was yeah. that was our prediction. And then Columbus finished below them. Elvis is like perennially positive. Sometimes a little too arrogant, but perennially positive. And he said that he just wanted to go and score a goal. And he's the guy who hugged everyone after team wins when they didn't have someone for him to hug. He hugged himself out there on the ice. He jumped <laughs> up and gave himself a hug. Some girl came to the game because they did have limited capacity um, with a sign saying, if you need a hug, I'll give you one. And he, at the end of the game, sought her out, went up to the glass and gave like a huge hug to the glass. And John Tortorella benched him for the last two games. Unacceptable. Because of like, that? Uh, not because of the hug, because of him talking about the goal, which they came in the same game. Both of those were games that they, that was a game that they won right before the end of the season. And he gave this girl the big hug, did the, the interview after the game, talked about wanting to score a goal. And then the next day, John Tortorella says, okay, we're going to finish out the season with a, 
oh, I don't know why his name just flew out of my head. Wow. I think I have a hole in my brain, Mikey. Um, That's okay. There are other... Uh, there are other Corpus, cool. there, there Corpus you go. Salo, who, by the way, finished the season with an 8.94 save percentage. Elvis had a 9.16. So I know that people were at the beginning of the year saying they need to get rid of one of the two because, you know, they, they can't afford to have both, which I disagree with, but whatever. Um, you know, they were like, oh, I think that it's going to be Elvis's last year here and Eunice is going to be their guy moving forward. And I was like, oh, I wouldn't go with him moving forward. And sure enough, like Elvis did better. And they gave Eunice Corpus all of the last two games. Uh, I think that's, that's garbage, but yeah. Yeah. You had all these teams that weren't very good. Um, but then in the North, you only had three that missed. Um, and so you, we thought we were like, Oh, you know, there's only three that are going to miss. Um, that's going to be a really close division and Ottawa is going to be at the bottom and Calgary and Vancouver said, psych. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just like shit the bed in the most tremendous way possible. Yeah, Calgary's uh, Calgary's at a weird point in their organizational like future. And what, what are they going to do? That, that's going to take some, we had both of them making it. Yeah. I don't know. I think Vancouver is so many good players in yeah. this Austin. Right. And they, they weren't just kind of bad. They were very bad. Yeah, they, they just don't look good. Um, we we just missed the mark, and I, I don't think we were the, we were the only ones. No. <laughs> no. We weren't the only ones at all. That was You talk about the Islanders were a team that everybody thought would miss, and then, you know, they, they surprised everyone. Everyone thought Calgary was going to make it. That seemed like a team that was, like, primed to do well, and – and not in the Carter Hart way where he like really struggled, but Jacob Markstrom didn't have an amazing year. He had a 905 save percentage. Uh, and they then traded away David Riddich. A uh, big save Dave is gone. Um, which they have some really good guys coming up in the pipeline in that, but that, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau really had some trouble there. They halfway through the season decided that the way to start winning was, we talk about John Tortorella being an asshole to his players um, and how I know that right before we, we started recording, I, uh, for our listeners, I got to go to the doctor and check on, check on my broken foot. Um, while I was in the waiting room, I saw a quote from Rod Brindamore who said that coaching nowadays isn't just about the skill. It's about how well you relate to your players. Yeah. Communication, and, man. It's all about like, and like John Tortorella doesn't have it. Yeah. Calgary said, oh, we have a coach that's communicating with our players, but just doesn't seem to be getting it done. Let's bring in the corpse of Daryl Sutter, who we talk about guys who don't, who like to be petty and vindictive. Yeah. That's, after John Tortorella, Daryl Sutter is the first guy I think of. Yeah. And I, I think, I think at the end, other end of the spectrum, it seems like you have guys like, like you mentioned, Rod Brendamore, who I think again, has really adapted really well and has fit. I mean, you have a Hurricanes legend step step behind the bench. Yeah, Sometimes that's be a former player and a very scary former player, too. Which, that's a guy who I figured would be, like, I don't know if you remember when, do you remember when Craig Berube coached uh, the Philadelphia Flyers? And I think yeah. he's gotten a little better about it in St. Louis, but when he was with the Flyers, yeah, players came out after the season and said that they hated it, that he yeah. wasn't listening, wasn't communicating. I think it was 
either him and Sean Couturier or him and Jacob Voracek, who like butted heads the entire season. And at the end of the year, whichever player it was, like came out and said something about like not wanting to play. And yeah, I think I think um, I, I that's think, that's what I expected we'd get maybe from Rod Brindamore and from Tockett. You know, you, those are two guys who are very scary when they played, and I think both of them have been very good communicators. When you yeah. look at the players that succeed on their rosters, you've got guys like Svechnikov in Carolina. You have uh, our King Michael Bunting and Connor Garland and Christian Dvorak and these guys who aren't super gritty. But need and Clayton Keller in Arizona, who consistency has been a struggle for him, and he is not a tough player. I don't like calling guys soft, but he is definitely more of the graceful. I'll score perimeter player. Touch you, yeah, perimeter. There we yep. go. That's that's the the better word for the it. He's PC, a perimeter player. That's the PC the term. PC term for it. And I I don't think that like if I think if Clayton Keller had played for John Tortorella he would have been benched for half the year. Yeah, yeah. And we would have heard disparaging remarks about him in the media from Daryl Sutter. Like, we look at Johnny Gaudreau played, what was it? I think it was his... Was it his 400s? It was... Something I think it was like during that. his 500... Yeah, it was his 500 NHL game. And that's a huge accomplishment. Absolutely. The average career, when you look... And that's including these crazies like... Uh, Patrick Marlowe and yeah, I mean, what Shane Doan, uh, Jerome McGinley, they all skew the stats and the average career is only like 250 games. Johnny Gaudreau has already doubled that and he's still performing incredibly well. And during that game, uh, I think he's like, he either scored a goal or something and he got really excited and, when the media asked Daryl Sutter about his play, he was like, that's how he's going to play for his 500th game. Or like, I'll be happy for him if he plays better. And that that's shitty to me. Yeah. That's, I think that's a, I know that they brought him in like hoping that he would turn things around. And I was like, that's not who I would have brought in to turn things around. Uh, I'm sure enough. They, they didn't turn it around. Like they, they didn't even come close to turning it around. No, they, they've, they're. I mean, they have some games left. Whatever. They're not going to make it. Um, <laughs> no, they're. They're. Yeah, it's like yeah, you, you have coaches. Their hope right now is that they'll pull ahead of Ottawa, who Ottawa has one game left. Uh, Calgary is. They've unless are they stopping this. Scotia North at 55 games, or are they going all no, the way? I, I think they're going all the way. I think we're gonna they're gonna start the playoffs while the bottom teams in the Scotia North or whatever Scotia North uh, finish out. So finish out, yeah. So one game left for Ottawa. Uh, you have four games left for Calgary. They're tied in points. Um, it's very sad that I can see Calgary staying tied with Ottawa um, you know because yeah. Like, They've they've been really struggling, but and then you have Vancouver, who I think we we said everything about that yeah. already with uh, the fact that I mean that team went through COVID. Uh, the league did not back them up on it. The league didn't support them properly on it. Uh, they continued to deal with messy, messy GM nonsense where yep. quotes that he gave and just didn't work and. And then 
the roster construction just doesn't seem to be uh to to be there really no. it's 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 not a well-built team and we thought it was we thought we it did. was we were we wrong it was a well-built team that's i i thought it had good pieces okay we thought it could finish it could finish fourth out of seventh in a in a division <laughs> right seven. we thought that that was a really low bar um yeah, really. They, okay it could happen they're they're gonna finish last there's i think they they can maybe so they have four games left five they have five games left ottawa has one they are four points behind ottawa yeah i wouldn't be surprised like they might just mail it in and but they've gone two eight and no in their last yeah. uh they're they're their mailing ottawa's gone seven two and one they're mailing it. Yeah, and Ottawa, you know what? Like that's that happens with uh, non-playoff teams. Sometimes they'll have these ten-game stretches where they win, they go into, and you're you're playing a little looser. Um, you know when you know you're not making the playoffs, guys play a little looser, not as tense. It's and other teams aren't really gonna get up to play you or play at their play their hardest or most intense. That's just the nature of the beast uh, when you're. Well, and they had. They have some guys who have kind of stepped up there too. I think that uh, listen, I love. I think Chuck Ottawa did pretty well. Connor Brown did pretty uh, well. Ottawa uh, is a team trending in the right direction. It feels like, and it feels like their fans are having fun with this team. Yeah. It, they're they're a team that's definitely building towards a good future. Which, you know, I, I still they're a team that wasn't gonna make it, and everyone knew that. But they they but took were steps some, forward. Yeah. They they didn't do what Buffalo did. Yeah, they didn't just lay down and they they beat you know they upset some teams in a division which is always fun because they would send in a division that needed the points. Yeah, right? and, and they would send other Toronto. teams. They had that great game where they're down like five nothing against Toronto and then they came back and won in overtime. It, it they it was fun to watch them send Maple Leafs fans into meltdowns when yeah. the Maple Leafs, which they didn't beat the Maple Leafs a whole lot, but it was still those. Those seldom times, it was still pretty funny. So good for them. Um, I guess just wrapping up the North Division, you have uh, Toronto, Montreal, which, you know, historic rivalry, blah, blah, blah. I feel like Toronto is just going to, they'll finally get their first round win. I, I don't see Montreal uh, beating Toronto. Uh, um, I I feel like statistically you are absolutely correct. But I think you possibly? underestimate what <sighs> Toronto do there kind of yeah. like when you know how we looked at philadelphia yeah. over the last five years and we said at some point their goaltending situation has to turn around right we uh, were like there, there's no way that they because i think it was two years ago they had nine goaltenders over the course right. of the season because nobody could play and nobody stayed healthy and we were like at some point they will turn it around and they came super close last year and then they shit the bed again this year <laughs> and i I don't know. I I don't trust Toronto until they do it. And I'm very very nervous for Jack Campbell because that's yeah. a fan base that. And I don't I don't know if you watched a ton of the Leafs. Uh, the Leafs atmosphere, I guess, is the best way to put it. But right when they were, and I was I was looking up Phil Kessel's stats for his uh his Masterton nomination uh so i could write a fun piece on it and that one year that they made the playoffs and they played against boston that was i mean that team was young and that team was getting super close to doing well and they they really just i mean the fact that they made the playoffs was exciting for them they had a 
Phil Kessel was 24. Nazem Kadri was only 21. JVR yeah. was 23. Like they had some young guys that were really doing well. And their goaltenders were also very young. They had James Reimer, who was only 24 at the time. They had Ben Scrivens, who was 25. Both of them were still pretty new to the league. And then they, you know, they went up against Boston, who made it to the Stanley Cup final that year. Um, James Reimer played the seven games and ended up losing. I mean, he helped them get to, to game seven. Yeah. And that fan base demolished him. They didn't, they didn't win that round, and his wife got death threats. Yep. Uh, and you worry about how they've yeah. been treating Freddie Anderson this year. He has not looked like himself. And when you look at, especially the stories we hear about goaltenders after the fact, look at, I mean, Tim Thomas has come forward recently. We see, I think Mike McKenna has been an incredible asset on Twitter because he shares stories about the mental grind of when yeah. things don't go well and when you're not healthy and, and it falls, it falls on the goalie. It's, it's unfortunate. Uh, and the way that they've been talking about Freddie Anderson, uh, if I was Freddie Anderson, I wouldn't even have a cell phone. Yeah. I'd go full like Shane Doan when he retired with the Coyotes still had a flip phone. I think yeah. it was like an old Nokia flip phone. So he couldn't even like access the internet from it. Yeah. If I'm Freddie Anderson, that's what I have right yep. now. I don't even give myself the opportunity to look at the shit people are saying. And it's every, every hockey fan base is toxic and has its own toxic section of it. Every single one. That being said, I feel like the most toxic usually comes from North of the border. Sometimes it feels like, Um, but every, every hockey fan, and it's a problem with hockey in general, but, and the NHL in general, just some of their fans are, the biggest dickheads out there and but uh man maple leafs fans as you said with the james reimer thing it can get really really nasty so uh which that... is to say that if they end up losing right if yeah. they end up not playing well that's uh, a huge upset I... first of all that's a huge 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 upset at least in their first round loss i mean losing to columbus last year in the bubble was that not... was, that was, I was gonna say, it's not gonna be that it's nothing can top that upset nothing no Absolutely. but their other playoff losses against Boston, like that was kind not expected, but Boston was always a really good team. Montreal, I don't think is a great team. They have a negative goal differential. They were, they really just kind of snuck in because the bottom three teams of the league stink. I mean, of their division stink. So that I think be, that Tyler Toffoli will drag them kicking and screaming. Uh, I don't know that he would have that series. That. I don't necessarily think that I would that's going to be successful, but maybe I think maybe through that Cole, series. Maybe Cole, Cole, I'd love to see Cole Caulfield uh, go off on Toronto. That'd be funny, but I just, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. But it, no, I think uh, I, is that, that's, that's our warning, by the way, to Toronto fans, that uh, if, if Montreal does end up winning, I'd be nice to Freddie and Jack. Like, just be nice. Yeah, I have nothing. They're, they're, I have nothing to say to Toronto fans. Um <laughs> I do want to. I do want to move to Buffalo, but before I do, I want to quickly touch on. Uh, I know that we we talked about the fun teams in the Central. We talked about Carolina. We talked about the matchups. Uh, Dallas was kind of a surprise there, but I mean, a little bit of uh, Stanley playoff, I guess, hangover there. A little bit of a COVID situation. Um, Detroit, good for them for not being Buffalo, I guess, uh, Columbus, whatever, Chicago, uh, 
I think that's a coach that kind of surprised me because I, I really liked, um, I liked watching at least back with Rockford, right? Like I thought that when Joel Quenville was still in charge of the Blackhawks and uh, our very young, seemingly progressive coaching style, Jeremy Colleton, I thought that he was pretty good um, at, you know, roster management and all that. And he really, I don't think that, an amazing job with that this year um remember when we talked about our king colin delia at the start of the season uh yeah i think that's a player that got tremendously screwed over uh he played two games to start the year he and malcolm suban split the the opening of the season neither of them played very well uh so they brought up kevin lincoln and, and he just he just played, played the rest kevin of the year lincoln until well they kept sneaking Malcolm Subban in for games and they shifted Delia to their number three. Yeah. Um, but did not have him practicing with the team. He was practicing with the taxi squad. Uh, wasn't being given the same attention. He got to do a very brief conditioning stint with Rockford where, I mean, that, that kind of helped him, I guess, getting, getting a few games in there. And then he came up, uh, played one very, very, mediocre game for them and then really stood strong in the last couple games they ended up having him play down the back stretch uh, and he finished with a 902 save percentage in six games not not amazing um not terrible but not terrible either yeah malcolm suban played 16 games and had 900 yeah uh which i find a little i find it kind of inexcusable to uh to have a young guy on your roster and not give them a shot it's and not not, good. not to give them a shot, but not not even give them a chance to stay fresh and not give them communication as to what was going on. Like that's that's frustrating. Um, but also, uh, and his name just flew out of my head. Uh, Dylan Strom. Dylan Strom played in forty games this year out of fifty six, uh, and not because he got super injured, but because he he was a healthy scratch for big chunks of the season. Yeah, um, that's not good. And he didn't he didn't play very well when he was in the lineup. Uh he had nine goals in 40 games, uh, and I believe and so he had 17 points. I think he had a three-point night in their season finale. Um like he they put him back in. He was pissed off. He played really well, racked up multiple points. One of them was a goal. Uh 39 games, eight goals. So prior to that game, that's not good. That's really yeah. Good. They're not they're not progressing how they should be. They're younger players. No, the younger players are kind of stuttering a little bit. Alex DeBrincat's doing really well still, but that's I mean I'd be shocked if he didn't. Uh, I wonder if uh, I wonder if just, they keep him keep keep uh, Colton as their head coach. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up getting rid of him. Um, but I I really think it's reaching a point where I mean, they still have uh, Stan Bowman in charge, and at some point that's got to change, yeah. right? At some point yeah. they have to move on. Right. But uh, no, I watching Dylan Strom struggle this year. Uh, I know Coyotes fans were kind of relieved, right? Because 
that, you know, that's kind of a bullet dodged for them. I know that people were kind of wondering whether um, that was a one trade for them or if it was an even trade or if it was a lost trade. And uh, Brendan Perlini is officially, I don't know if he's formally retired, but he did not play hockey at all this year. Um, I think he, he didn't even... He didn't even play overseas, to the best of my knowledge, um, unless he played. I know that some guys in England kind of got together. Oh, he did. He played He played in Switzerland, uh, and he had 16 points in 21 games. Uh, that's that's kind of shocking to me. You know, he didn't even end up playing in the NHL. Uh, Nick Schmaltz for the Coyotes had 45 points in 70 games, which is very respectable. Um, but the Coyotes could have had much minor. Yikes. And that I I could go on and on about that. I don't even want to. I mean that's fine. That's hindsight. That's that's hindsight. I just want to put that into the I I wanna put that out there one more time. And then then it'll be time to move on from that. But at the time it seemed like a it was kind of surprising to people because the coyotes needed scoring and uh Mitch Marner finished this year with sixty seven points. Uh, Dylan Strom finished with 17. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, there's so many examples like that when you look at different drafts. Uh, it happens. Um, should we go to the Twitter questions or not Twitter questions, Twitter responses? Uh, yeah, I think we should just, I think we should float down those. Because uh, we did, we asked you guys, um, let's see it. Uh, I, I, Posted it a little earlier. I said, as we talk the impending playoffs, we want to know uh, what was your worst prediction this year? What could you not have gotten more wrong? Which I obviously Vancouver. Um, I really thought that they were like I thought they were going to be a contender for the playoffs, and they were not even a contender for an NHL team. Um, mine was mine was Vancouver and Philly. Yeah, yeah, that was. And you were not the only one, though. Uh, so Matt Larkin from the Hockey News, uh, shout out to Matt for responding to us. Uh, he not only had the Canucks making the playoffs, he had them winning the North. Um, yep. He had Philly in the playoffs. That's okay, Matt. So did we. Yep. Uh, he also had the Islanders out, though. That's um, He's not alone. That's so. like a trifecta of wrong, though. Yeah. Uh, not his proudest moment, which that's okay. We forgive you. Um he got some responses on his. Uh, one person said, as a Flyers fan, I've always respected your high regard for a rebuild. I'm sorry they've been letting you down. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. I, I keep thinking they're going to take a, a step forward, and then they, it's like they put on the parking brake, and they're like, no, nah, we're going to sit here. Um, one guy had one of Philly or New York and over the aisles, and Vancouver just behind Toronto in the north. So did I, Dan. Yep. Um and then we also had uh, Nicole Anderson said, I thought Philly was going to win the East. Whoops. Uh, yep. Yeah. Whoops. Yep. Uh, she felt a little better knowing that she said Buffalo would win 20 or less games this year. That's really sad. Um, I, did, I, thought, I didn't think I that. I hoped that Buffalo would at least hit the 20, the 20 I, win mark. I thought they would 15. be, I like, thought they were going to have a very high power <laughs> offense and it's just that organization is, uh, curse. I think I think we have to we have to briefly touch on that because I, I know we touched on it 
momentarily uh, with the fact that Jonas uh, Johansson, the the goaltender that they got rid of, um, he looked horrific with them. Like he didn't even look good. Every um, goal, every goalie has looked bad except for uh, the East. Missile marks looked okay. Um, for them, but I believe he's hurt. Uh, or do you mean like every goalie that we thought would? No, I, I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, all, all Mark looked. I uh, he looked solid for them, but and he, then he got hurt. I mean, like every goalie they've put in net, um, more or less has sunk, and it's like Carter just, Hutton tanked it this year. Uh, yeah. Michael Hauser, which he brief, that's ahead. that's a high note for them that that yeah. Michael Hauser got to play in four games because and that's a guy well. who. Not just not just an AHL journeyman. That's an ECHL. Journeyman. Yeah, he played well three of those four games. He played. He gave up. Like he beat the Islanders twice, once in a shootout. And then he lost in regulation to twice to Pittsburgh. But then one of those games, it was a one nothing loss, and he had like. Yeah, that's pretty... not on him. That's not on him at all. Yeah, uh, that's good for him. That's a really cool story. But, uh... Uh... It was, it was also kind of a cool story. Uh, Dustin Tokarski got to play in 13 games for them. That's a guy who, if we talk about wrong predictions, um, Dustin Tokarski was traded to the Montreal Canadiens back in 2013 for Cedric Desjardins, if anybody remembers him. Um, and he then took over during the playoffs in 2014 when Chris Kreider of the New York Rangers ran Carey Price and took him out. Um, oh, and remember that. he did pretty well, um, all things considered. He played in only three NHL games that year, but he had 946 in those three games. And then his playoff run was, I mean, it was passable. He did, he did just fine. Um, I thought that he was really, like, looking for that heir apparent to uh to carry price for way too long now um and i really thought it was going to be him and uh he did not end up being the heir apparent he became the backup next year and did pretty well and then the following year he uh had an 878 save percentage and i believe that following year was when carry price got hurt yeah carry price played in 12 games and then they had to have mike condon as yeah. their their uh, starter, Mike Condon, played in 55 games for them. Woof. Um, and so he was bounced to uh, to Anaheim, where he played in exactly one game and faced five shots. Um, so he was their AHL guy. He was with the San Diego Goals, and then he bounced around the AHL over the last couple years, started doing really well. Uh, he was good for the Charlotte Checkers, uh, really good for Wilkes-Barre Scranton in 2019-20 and then this year he was doing really well for the Rochester Americans um which is a hard team to be good for um and then he came up and he got to play in 13 games which that's a guy who I mean he's worked his ass off to stay relevant uh then there's Uko Pekka Lukanen who everybody thought was going to be the heir apparent in Buffalo and he struggled um but Buffalo I think the most telling sign that Buffalo like just could not get their shit together this year is uh, they had Taylor Hall on their roster for 37 games and he scored two goals. Yeah. Uh, two and then goals. now he's, he's 
destroying it with the Bruins, which he has scored eight goals since arriving in Boston. That is yeah, games. I, I think he's, I mean, he's playing next to uh, David Krejci and someone that can distribute him the puck. Um, but, you know, he, he said he's having fun. It, I mean, that's yeah. because he had someone who, in theory, could distribute him the puck, right? He he played with Jack Eichel while Jack Eichel was healthy. And that didn't, I mean, that's that's a team that, and I don't think any of us are privy to the knowledge of why the culture there is so bad. Um, so I don't even want to speculate about it because who even knows? But that's a team that the players there are not having fun. And yeah. I know a lot of people really got on uh, Jack Eichel. He came out and he didn't even he didn't even pretend he was going to be polite about it, right? He went on record during essentially the team's exit interview there, and he said, "Listen, my number one interest is Jack Eichel. You know what I mean? You got to look after yourself. You got to look out for what's best for yourself. The organization has a similar job to do, which is look out for what's best for the Buffalo Sabers. It's tough." Things haven't been, I guess, really black and white. We're all trying to educate ourselves in this situation and what would be best moving forward. There's been some tough conversations, but I have to do what's best for me. I'm only going to play hockey for so long. I'm 24 years old. Hopefully I have many years in this amazing game left, but I have to take care of myself. It's been tough at times, but I'll come out on the other side of this. Um, Yikes. That was talking about uh, apparently the team wouldn't let him get, like, season-ending surgery and he had a neck injury like that's what the fuck is that I don't I don't even know where to start with the culture there um but that's yeah I I think we we talked about like our bad predictions and that I think was a missed prediction on our part because we said that the two worst teams were going to be Ottawa and Detroit and that yeah. Ottawa would be just a shit show, right? We said that Ottawa's like we talked we talk about bad culture. We thought that Ottawa was as bad as it gets. Um and we forgot about Buffalo. We yep. we underestimated Buffalo's ability to to really surpass them there. And that's it's too bad. Cause even if we don't like the team like we're not fans of the buffalo sabers we don't have to be fans of their players but those are like not those are human beings but like those are those are human beings who are trying their best to play a game where they have fun and it's very hard to have fun on a team that is that bad yeah um yeah it's just that you could we could do a whole episode on how bad buffalo is um because they just don't have it it seems that everything in that organization seems to be a mess um someone else on twitter said at nico edmonton said they had calgary winning the north yikes montreal missing the playoffs pens missing the playoffs and philly making the playoffs so man a lot of people had wrong predictions it feels like um and on that note, I think we're we should wrap up. I think uh, so. Playoffs are starting this weekend. I think, right? I think so. Yeah. And yeah, so we'll be back, uh, getting into how each series is looking and things like that. Um, and we'll 
to hopefully have maybe a guest or two on um, next time. Uh, yeah, and be sure to follow us uh, and listen to us on Spotify and SoundCloud as well as uh, that. Unlike my dad. I'm, oh, my God. Yeah, that was a terrible. I, I think that's how we have to close. Um, uh, putting on my putting on my hit list here um, in my burn book. Um, Alan Silverman, my father, um, was talking to my daughter this this week. Was it this weekend, Mikey? Um, yeah. And he was telling her that my mom couldn't come to the phone. And my daughter was like, oh, where's Nana? And he said, oh, Nana's on the phone with Lisa. That's her, one of her oldest friends. And he said, you know, they're, they're Skyping right now because my parents are uh, building a home. And he said, you know, it's kind of like what, what your mommy does when she does her podcast, except this one's not going to go up on SoundCloud for no one to listen to. Uh yeah that was and that I was, was like, dad that was rough that was rough <laughs> I didn't know he could be that ruthless yeah I mean I was, not untrue he, but it was it was rough he wrecked me yeah he wrecked well I got hit by a stray bullet there uh <laughs> as a result <laughs> he too wrecked, he wrecked you too <laughs> yeah uh, it, it, I I didn't know what I deserved to get to get that burn either but on that note um if you are listening, thank you. And uh, we will be back soon. Um, again, yeah. If you do listen to us, you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and the iTunes, Apple thing, or whatever it is. The podcasts on your Apple iPhone or whatever. You know where you can, you'll find on us. On your Apple iPhone. The yeah. same in technology, guys. Yes. <laughs> and on that note, uh, have a good week, everyone. Did you learn to make amends with your power of flaming shit?